Welcome to Obsidian's new podcast, Off the Rock, On the Record, where we'll host different members of our rock star team sharing their insight and expertise on a variety of topics in the public relations and communication industry. Searching for insider tips on national pitching or event planning? Interested to know how we do things at Obsidian? Well, you might learn a thing or two by tuning into these insightful conversations. So let's listen in to what the team is talking about today on Off the Rock, On the Record. So today we are chatting with Murray Lace. Murray started at Obsidian more than two years ago now as an intern, and she's worked her way up through a couple of promotions now, so she serves in a senior role at the firm, uh, leading several of the client accounts that she was assigned to as an intern. She's a University of Arkansas graduate and a lover of sports. Uh, Murray had the pleasure, actually, of serving as a communication assistant with Arkansas Athletics and the Southeastern Conference while in college, and as an intern at Allegiant Elite Athletic Agency in Knoxville, Tennessee, before joining Obsidian. Her client roster is pretty full of food and restaurant clients, and her days are often spent planning grand opening events for such clients. But don't typecast her yet. She knocks it out of the park for her corporate and creative clients as well. So welcome, Murray. Hi. Hi. So today we're going to talk about something that's definitely right up your alley, event planning. Before we dig really deep into that topic, let's talk about, um, you know, when you first started Obsidian. Talk about a little bit of the event planning experience you had when you came on the team. Right. So you mentioned um, in my bio that you just read that I was involved with some sports-related things before coming to Obsidian. Right. And um, that included the athletic agency in Knoxville. And we had, a, like, a client appreciation weekend. So we had the clients, athletes come in. So... Um, we had to schedule their flights, uh, pick them up from the airport, make sure that um, they had all their folders. Because what the first day consisted of was like an informational thing, like how to manage your money better. So we would have financial people come in. So we would have to, you know, get the financial guy from the local finance um, agency or whatever um, set up to come in. And then the next day we had a celebrity basketball tournament. So that was bringing in people that were not just our clients. So a little more risky because we don't have a relationship with them necessarily. Um, So, you know, people would miss their flights. We'd have to, you know, rearrange things. We actually had to lay the floor for the basketball tournament. So um, more than just, you know, written work and making phone calls and picking people up, it was actually physical labor, too. So getting to see how much goes into event planning um, really helped me learn a lot. Well, that's great. Um, Well, and so what what would you say is your favorite thing about event planning then in, in your experience, both before and with Obsidian? I would say seeing how all the little pieces come together, um, whether, you know, it's a grand opening for a restaurant or for, you know, a a sunglass place here in Memphis, whatever we're working on is usually, it's a grand opening week, not just a grand opening day. So there's a lot of little events, little pieces here and there that all come together to make the celebration of the opening a good one. So that's that's true. my favorite part. There are definitely a lot of pieces to event planning. And like you said, it's not all just when you say event planning, you're thinking about planning, but then you got to dig in and get it done and put in floors and send out invites and all the things that you have to do. Um, And of course, one of the uh, big things that we're trying to do with event planning uh, pertains to getting people to the events. Definitely when you're trying to do something like a grand opening, you want to get the right people, you know, the influencers in the community, um, the, the people that matter to the client. So um, in, in your opinion, talk about your experience in um, identifying the right people for what, whatever event you're working on. Right. So I work with a lot of food clients. Right. So you might think, oh, well, then you're only going to invite the food riders, but that's simply not true. You know, so let's say grand opening week, something that would look typical for us is at the beginning of the week, you have your friends and family 
come in just to give your staff a chance to practice. And then the following night, you're going to have VIP night. So we typically build a list of probably 500 plus people mm-hmm. and hope for a 20% um, redemption rate. So we invite everybody you can think of. So food writers who are going to come and take photos of the food, um, the business reporters who are going to talk about the area of town that the business is in or, you know, how the restaurant scene in Memphis is growing. Um, You know, even if it's like Edible Memphis, if it's a restaurant that has organic ingredients or, you know, fresh produce, something like that, there's really an angle for everything. Mm -hmm. And with social media being so big now, influencers like bloggers and, uh, you know, Instagram stars, social media stars, you know, local stars, so to speak, like Choose 901 and Isle of Memphis, they're also huge to invite as well. That's good. Those are good points. Um, So talk about like the work required to building some of those lists and 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 communicating with those people and all the different pieces. uh, Talk about um, actually the work of dealing with people for this. Right. So it's a lot of research. Mm -hmm. Um, We do, you know, check out the publications because there's a lot of turnover turnover nowadays with the publication. So getting to see or, you know, switching around of who's covering what and when on, on all that stuff. So knowing who's covering your beat at that time, adding them to the list. Um, it's important to invite city council people too and business people that are around the area who are going to be uh, – big and spreading the message and, you know, your lunch crowd. If there's a business next door, you want to be sure to invite, you know, their big wigs because they're going to be coming in every day or, you know, once a week or however often they eat out for lunch. They may be your your demographic. So um, building a list that way is how we do it. We usually break it down by tab, which makes it a little easier. And then we just throw all those emails into an Eventbrite and design the um, invite there or we do it through email just mm-hmm. whichever the client prefers Eventbrite can sometimes get lost in your inbox it sometimes goes to spam that's a good point so we do say that email is the safest way but what you can do is you can send it out through Eventbrite the first time and then who doesn't respond within you know three to four days you can shoot them an email directly and say hey you know you might have missed this it might have gone to your spam just wanted to touch base with you and pass this invite along well I think that that kind of brings up a good point about being uh, consistent and persistent in communicating with these people because Um, I think a lot of people, you know, might stop at building the list and sending out the invite and then just hoping everyone comes. But we all know, I mean, definitely in our, in a lot of the um, different areas that we work in in PR, persistent communication and and follow-up is just necessary. So if you really have targeted people that you want there and um, you find ways to get the news to them and really, you know, invite them personally if that's what it gets down to. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, what are some ways that, you know, we talk about email, but what are some other ways that we can connect with the right people um, in terms of getting these people to your event? So one thing we always recommend with grand opening weeks um, or grand opening days just in general is to partner with a charity. Um, That's going to maximize your reach. You're going to get in touch with their email list, which might include people that you wouldn't have been in front of before. Um, So because there's not necessarily, you know, media on that list. It's their donors. It's their, their clients. It's the people that, you know come into their offices looking for services. And so getting their list is important and, you know, their social media following as well. They're going to promote your event on their social media platforms because it's benefiting them. We typically do suggest anywhere, you know, 20% of sales goes to this organization on grand opening day or the following week for an opening, however they want to set it up. So getting involved with a charity is huge and not only, you know, helps spread the word of your business, but it, it shows that you're dedicated to the community that you're breaking into and just really get some goodwill going there. Good reputation. Those are good points. So let's talk about encouraging engagement from these audiences. You know, you mentioned um, 
partnering and, and is having um, fundraisers. So talk about more about that in terms of like ways to reach varied audiences. Um, you know, in some of the events, you even mentioned that it's not just grand opening day, there's grand opening week. So talk a little bit more about that in terms of how to get people engaged. Right. So several events throughout the week, you'll have, you know, your VIP night where you invite everybody. And then throughout the week, you can set up sneak peeks. So whether that's inviting a TV station to come in to get B-roll of the space and the food that you're serving, or if it's, you know, the business journal who comes in to take photos of the construction in the final phase, they'd love to do that, put a slideshow on their website. Or if it's a lifestyle or food blogger who's coming in just to take photos of the food, and even if they don't post it to, you know, their blog and it's just on their Instagram story, that's still so huge, especially with millennials, if that's part of your target demographic, just because how much pull social media influencers have right now. Absolutely, and I think social media influencers are definitely... um, Um, among the list you mentioned several just kind of that we target in our local area who are who can come to events and talk about them um, online Mm -hmm. and through their blogs or whatever and so targeting those people is certainly something that we don't want to forget to do and I've run into this here recently that sometimes bloggers are charging for posts now Mm -hmm. but you know with the grand opening event you're giving them stuff for free so you can almost kind of um, negotiate so well you know if you're coming in for lunch you can bring three friends and you can eat for free instead of me paying you x dollars for you to post about it so there's ways around that if if you run into those issues. but Well, that's a good point. And I know that um, sometimes, too, an investment in something like that is worth it because it can be minor, but I, that's a great point of, um, of kind of offering that trade. And honestly, that gives them more engagement, too. It gives them the opportunity to actually try the food. So not only are they there posting it, but they might actually become a fan and a follower, and um, you've also um, added a customer to your um, list. Right. Talk about... Um, you know, what are some other just final thoughts that you would have on just overall successful event planning? Um, you know, maybe some of the success you've seen with particular clients. Just what would you offer in terms of an overall you know, suggestion for how to be successful at event planning? I would say to have various events throughout the week, just because, you know, everybody has a busy schedule. So if somebody can't come to the event on Tuesday, maybe they can come to the ribbon cutting on Thursday. Right. And um, doing it that way is just your best bet. Some success we've seen over the last year, I would say Mama Gaia, which is the all-organic vegetarian restaurant that opened in Crosstown, and Pizza Rev, which is a craft-your-own-pizza place that opened in Cordova and has some other locations uh, set for Memphis to open up here in the coming months. So Mama Gaia was just about in every single publication. We really played off the fact that they were the first restaurant to open up in Crosstown, so that gave it an angle that was interesting for the business journal, but still interesting to the food writers too. So we were able to loop everybody in um, because, you know, Sears Crosstown is, what is it, is it a million square feet? It's huge. It's huge. I mean, it was just a crazy undertaking. And so to see it come to fruition and finally have, you know, a retail-facing restaurant or, you know, store, so to speak, open was huge. So, you know, it was big for the mayor to be there. He was excited about it. And whenever the, wherever the mayor goes, TV follows. So the ribbon cutting was a big success. He was there. He spoke. TV stations were there as well. We had over 50 different media hits during grand opening month. So, you know, with the limited amount of publications we have in Memphis and only four TV stations, that is, that's a big deal. So we're super excited about that. And Pizza Rev um, was another example of a successful opening. They had great media coverage as well, especially their pre-opening. They uh, had a self-pour beer system that we really were able to capitalize on because it was the first of its kind here in Memphis and maybe even in the state of Tennessee. I think you might be right. Um, So it was a self-pour beer system. 
associated with the iPort system mm-hmm. where you walk up um, whenever you check out and get your pizza and stuff. You get a bracelet if you're over 21, and you walk up to the tap of your cho- choice. There's 16 taps to choose from, okay. 14 beer, two wine, and you activate it by putting your bracelet up to the tap, and then you're able to select how many ounces you want. So if you want to taste one beer but have a full glass of another, you can do that. Um, Same with the wine that's there. And so we were really able to capitalize on that just because it was something that was so new. So the MBJ came in and took photos. The Commercial Appeal, who's recently started to do a lot more video, came in and did a video interview with one of the owners. Uh, VIP night was also a huge success because all those influencers wanted to be the first people to try it out and, mm-hmm. you know, post about it on their social media platforms and in their publications and on TV and whatnot. So 120 people came out to that. And then on grand opening day, we partnered with Le Bonner and had a thousand people come in. So that was a huge success and a good cause to contribute to. I'm sure we will be bringing you back on to talk about uh, other elements of event planning because I know that events are something that can really, well, they're necessary for opening a new uh, business or a new restaurant or whatever, but they can also be very successful for fundraising for uh, organizations or for just gathering engagement, creating awareness. Event planning has just so many uses in the world of public relations communication. So um, thanks for being here today, and I'm sure we'll have you back on pretty soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Murray. Thank you.